Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Taboo Talks with Mishgan. I just want to start off by saying a huge thank you for all the feedback and support on my latest episode. It was so well received, and I'm really thrilled that you guys enjoyed our discussion. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Nahid John, and she's here to share her insight on a topic that you guys have been requesting for months, divorce. Um, so just a little background, Nahid and I have been friends on Instagram for many years, and I've always been really drawn to her intellect and free-spirited nature. Uh, she has her bachelor's in global affairs and psychology, and she's worked for the U.S. Agency for International Development in Washington, D.C., she later relocated to Las Vegas after getting married and now has a beautiful baby girl. But after two years of marriage, Nahid realized it was time for her to walk away from an unhappy marriage. But we're going to delve deeper. First, I want to welcome our guest. Um, Nahid, it's an absolute pleasure having you here. How are you doing? Hello, I am doing wonderful. I am thrilled and excited and nervous and experiencing a million different emotions at once, but I'm really happy to be here with you. Likewise. And yeah, so Nahid, I thought you were the perfect choice for a guest because to me, you are someone who perfectly embodies breaking taboos. Like, you're an Afghan woman that has proven that moms can still be sexy and yet still have a successful career. You've left an unhappy marriage. You have a sister-in-law who's a black woman and she seems to be really loved and adored by you and your family. And recently you got engaged to a man you love. Congrats, by the way. And uh, yeah, but what I admire most in you is that you started sharing your journey um, in a more authentic and vulnerable way. And for some reason that really, really connected with me. Um, so I wanna begin by asking you, what led you to be open about your experiences, especially like, because we're in the Afghan community and a lot of people feel like they're gonna be judged or shamed. So what led you to be more open about it? Yeah, wow. So starting off, I feel like shame is what and judgment. Those are the two things that make us want to hide a little bit more. So I've noticed a lot of Afghans in our community, you just kind of keep anything that's not pleasant to yourself. So a lot of like, difficult things that you might be going through, you choose not to really share with others. But social media overall, everyone's just highlighting beautiful parts of their lives and a lot of people are not really sharing the struggles that they go through so for me um ending an unhealthy marriage and going through a really difficult two years kind of on my own mm -hmm. it was such an interesting experience and towards the beginning of that i was on social media so i still had my instagram and of course being Afghan and just no one throws out there like, hey, by the way, everyone, I'm going through a divorce. Yeah. That's something that you kind of 
keep to yourself. So I was going through a lot at the time and I was hiding my pain. I was looking at social media unknowingly, just wanting to see, because I knew there was other Afghans who I knew were divorced, uh, although they had never acknowledged it. But they, it was obvious just from their Instagram that they had separated and that they were co-parenting, but no one was really owning it in any way. And like, I just wanted to see, so I would see like happy moments after a while, you know, they start posting again. It, It seems like life is pretty good and comfortable for them, but I just wanted to see like, how are you getting there? And am I just assuming that this happened to you or did it happen to you? But um it was just later on having a realization that at that time I started kind of hiding my pain and I saw that no one was really being vulnerable and sharing anything it made me feel so alone and I decided to just take a break from social media and focus on my life and focus everything that um we just focused on rebuilding my life again and that took some time and it was not easy by any means. It was not a comfortable experience. It really, really made me go through like really difficult periods. Um, and then I overcame all those challenges and I started to embrace life again and things kind of started looking up for me. I got my own place. I had, you know, uh, gotten myself into a really happy, peaceful, beautiful place in my life. And I met a man that I loved so much and we were dating. So it was just in every way, focusing on my life and in my relationship. And then um, this whole time kind of not sharing it on social media because I'm Afghan and you don't really share, you know, Mm -hmm. your love life, especially after you've been divorced and you have a child. Um, So when we got engaged, it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. And I was so ecstatic and I just wanted to share that on social media. And I realized that, man, there was a point in my life where I didn't have this feeling. And I went through a really tough period and all that I was seeing was people's happy moments and their engagements and weddings and just, you know, their life seemed so perfect on social media. And I felt like if I were to post that, I would play a part in that. And I was that problem that I had a problem with. Yeah, and and it was just that. So the feeling that knowing there are other people who are going through challenges and to some extent, whether it's divorce or whatever it may be, I know that everyone has a period, a difficult chapter in their lives. And I don't know exactly where, what point everyone is in. Someone could be in the beginning and middle or the end of it, but those who are in the beginning or those who are in the struggle, like I didn't want them to feel the way I did at that point. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, instead of sharing my beautiful engagement photos, I took, took some time to really share my whole journey of the heartbreak and the divorce and the pain and the struggle and everything that it took out of me and that being in that complete darkness and in sharing all those parts of myself I wanted people to see that hey look there's light here and I'm at the end of the tunnel and life is beautiful but it wasn't always that way and so if you're going through something like this 
that you know you're not alone and someone else has been through this and that you will be you will get to the other side sooner or later so i just wanted to more lead by that example that i wanted to see from my community at that point and i didn't really I think that's also how you build um, true, true connections because yeah. it's through sharing your pain and struggles, because how do, how do you really connect with someone who just, you know, shows the glitz and glam of their life? Like, oh, look at me, I'm mm -hmm. traveling or I bought this new outfit. Like you don't really mm -hmm. connect through to someone through that, oh, right? God. Yeah. And that's what I realized was once I shared that, like I shared it not thinking anything. I said, I just was thinking, hey, if there's someone going through this, there might be a lot of people who aren't and they are happy and their lives are perfect the way it seems on social media. But if someone is going through it, I know that this will help them. And I know that it will help them see themselves in me and some mm -hmm. part of my struggle and how I overcame it. Um, so that's what the inspiration behind it was and what i was so overwhelmed by like completely overwhelmed and it was so unexpected was once i shared that like if i had 400 instagram followers and 399 of them are messaging me <laughs> their pain and their struggles and their life stories and thanking me so much for something that seemed so small at the time you know i didn't even think about it but when I did it and I got all this feedback and I saw what, like, oh my God, our community as a whole, like, this is not just a me problem or a her problem, like, whether it's someone's sister or someone's aunt or someone's mom or someone themselves, like, a lot of us are struggling and we're struggling alone. And I didn't think it was a big deal to just say, hey, I struggled and I went through that. Um, but so it resonated with so many people and then I started hearing so many stories and it just made me really aware and so even now like talking to you about this now it's hard it's hard because yeah. you know with Afghans um of course there's our community is beautiful and there's a lot of love and support which I've already experienced and I'm so grateful for it but then there are a lot of people who are very small-minded and I didn't want to share my story in a way where it's falling into the wrong hands and people are yeah. kind of going to be like, oh, did you see? Oh, my God, did you hear what yeah. you went and through? Like, it yeah. Was, yeah, and that's what would scare me of like, hey, I feel like maybe I'll help someone by sharing these details. But overall, like, I know that there is a small percentage who are going to just kind of gossip about it and talk about it. But realizing that but the, in the end the they're the ones who yeah but in the end i feel like they're the ones who look bad right not you mm -hmm. like yeah. who would listen to someone say who would listen to someone share such a painful experience and what they've learned from it and then turn it around into something and turn it into something so ugly and be like oh look at her her marriage didn't last like i wouldn't think very highly of someone who spoke that way. Yeah, it's just sad. And then knowing that, you know what, even though it's scary, and even though I'm putting myself out there in a way, I know that, especially now, it's been confirmed through all the messages I've received that 
these conversations need to happen. That's why I'm so grateful. Like people like you, who you are the only Afghan I know who has a podcast, who are talking about these topics and really diving deep into it and trying to create change in, in whatever platform that you have. Like I appreciate that so much. And I'm so grateful for having you in this community and having someone who is a voice of reason and a voice of, you know, talking about things that are just not always pretty. So yeah. thank you for being that person. Thank you. But uh, Nohid, um, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and when you noticed that you two were experiencing difficulties in your marriage? Because I feel like a lot of my audience, um, they message me often and they share their problems with me, but I feel like sometimes they face this deep confusion where they're like, should I continue working on my marriage or my relationship, or is it time to walk away? So maybe you could delve a little deeper into that. Well, you're expected to marry an Afghan, and whether we think about it or not, that's naturally kind of what we gravitate towards. So mm -hmm. both of us being Afghan, I feel like there was so many expectations that were placed on us by ourselves, by our family, by our culture. Um, so very soon into talking, I remember telling my family like, oh, I met this guy and we're talking. And right away, kind of the conversation was, oh, well, talking for what? Like for to get married, <laughs> to get engaged? Like yeah. that thought already kind of gets put in your mind, you know? And mm -hmm. when we met, he was, always, he was already someone who was um, looking to get engaged and get married and marry someone who was Afghan. So things were just kind of uh, lined up that way. But since dating isn't socially acceptable for us, um, we rushed into getting engaged and we rushed into getting married. Uh, so just three months of knowing each other and it was long distance because we both lived in two separate states. Just three months later, he came with his whole family, we got engaged, and then within six months, we were married. And if you really think about it, that's not a lot of time to really mm -hmm. get to know someone. Mm -hmm. um, but when you don't take that time to really get to know someone as an individual, um, to date, to really see all sides of them, to go through just the challenges, like the day-to-day -day challenges that arise with being in a relationship and being with someone, I feel like only time kind of reveals those things. Um, but if you're not taking the time, which we didn't because we're Afghan, we kind of rushed into that. And I feel like we failed at building a strong foundation from mm -hmm. the start. And we really didn't think too much about like, oh, are we compatible for marriage? Because marriage is a life partnership and you have to know that you can handle anything and everything that comes your way with this person for the rest of life but that's the way i saw it at that time and we really didn't get a lot of chance i guess of doing that because we we rushed so much um but in terms of challenges and how that started once we got married, I moved to Las Vegas and we started, of course, living together. And I think that's when the 
dynamics and because you know at first when you love someone it's just exciting and yeah people call it like that honeymoon period and Mm -hmm. that's what it was and we were in love and there you just don't think too much about um especially for women at that time I feel like I was so focused on my wedding that I didn't focus enough on a marriage (laughs) and what a marriage meant and what a marriage should be and what it is like I didn't really think about that but just thinking oh we're both Afghan it'll work out you know but once we started living under the same roof I realized that we really don't share the same outlook on life and uh, I have a pretty strong personality and I found that he does too so our personalities would clash a lot and that became kind of difficult. Um, I guess with traditionally in an Afghan household, you know, women are, I guess as a man, you're made to think that, you know, you should be the stronger personality and women are made to be kind of silenced more and just, Let's obey your husband and listen to what he says. And that wasn't the dynamic in my family. Both my parents were, I saw a lot of just communication and a very healthy relationship. And if my mom, if my dad would start, you know, if my mom would be cooking, my dad would come like kind of wash the dishes with her. And there was a lot of trust and respect and love. And that's kind of Did he the idea to- I had. Did he kind of just expect you to center your life around him? Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, in every way. But I I started to see that that's a very, um, that happens in a lot of Afghan relationships. But yeah. I think he was very, and I didn't know this um, prior to living together and and because he knew who I was and knew that I was very outspoken and I had a very strong personality and I had all these ambitions and things I wanted to do. And even with the way I would dress and everything, yeah. I had always been a little bit more of like my own person. Um, but he carried a lot of traditional gender roles in a household of kind of what an expectation of an Afghan wife should be. and those were passed on to him, you know, of, oh, when you marry an Afghan wife, like, this is what she'll be for you. This is what she'll do for you. So without really seeing me or getting to know who I am, there was already expectations placed of who I should be and how I should be. So just the traditional roles and I kind of coming from my family had expectations of how he should be. So I feel like both of us really didn't get to see each other the way we should and get to understand each other. But yeah, there was uh, expectations that, you know, the wife should cook and clean and Mm -hmm. uh, serve her husband, take care of your child, take care of your home. But what I found so interesting is I know that that dynamic exists even in American cultures and American societies and kind of societies all over the world there are a lot of people who follow like a very traditional role in a home but what I found interesting was that there's because he was born and raised here um so you have 
you want like the traditional roles to play out, but then when it came to certain things like finances, he had a very American mindset yeah. of like, you know, a woman should yeah. be financially independent. Yeah. A woman should provide for herself. And that's we're what, basically getting no benefits at all from this. No, zero. <laughs> and so it's like, you're, you're almost set up to fail. Yeah. Cause I know there are a lot of people who, you know, when you're in that traditional role like I've seen a lot of people who thrive and women who take care of the home and they're happy with it and they take care of their husband and kind of um, do everything in that manner but for me it was wow having to be expected to cook and clean and take care of myself and just six months after getting married we I got pregnant so not a year and something months into our marriage I had my daughter so even pregnancy really takes a toll on you um, and you're a lot more in your hormones and in your feelings and feeling like, man, this is not fair. But yeah, even when I had my daughter, so I was doing everything that I, sh- that I was expected to in the home and failing, I'm going to be honest, failing miserably because those responsibilities had never really been placed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, at my home, like I would, you know, wash the dishes and stuff, but my parents were more, you know, go to school and get a job and work and that's kind but of- But I'm really, uh, I'm really glad that you brought this point up because I feel like so many women, especially Afghan women are getting scammed these days. Like we're expected yeah. to contribute financially mm-hmm. like a, like 50, 50. Okay. But at the same time, they expect us to be like this domesticated wife where we cook, we clean, we take care of the Mm -hmm. in-laws, we, you know, perform Mm -hmm. all the wife duties and all that. But yet at the same time, they turn the whole feminism thing around us and say, yeah, well, you want to be, you're a feminist, so you should be completely financially independent. And I find that like so disrespectful because it's like... As a man, if you have this type of mindset, then you really, really, really don't get the female struggle. You really don't understand, or if you do understand, you really don't care the struggles that we women go through. Because as a man, you should be saying, you know what, you face all of these issues. Let me take some, let me ease your burdens. Let me uh, take some boat off of you. But with them it's like uh so you're gonna do all of this and you're gonna be contributing 50 50 but I'm not gonna be the one who helps around the house or does the dishes or cooks and I just find that so unfair yeah and that's how it felt it felt very unfair and it felt like a lot it Mm -hmm. felt like there was just no winning that there was I there was just expectations being piled up and I was trying my best like googling how to make fitting and lubia because I'm like I don't know anything <laughs> else but like learning how to cook all at once but wow. there was just so many things that I was so many changes in my life all at once like being completely in a completely different state away from all my family away from all my friends And then like, now you're living, you're married and you're living under the same roof. And now you have to learn how to cook and clean and take care of someone else when 
you haven't even taken care of yourself <laughs> in that way where I didn't even know how to cook for myself and how to do all these things. And then having a child. And yeah, at that point I was going to school. So in DC, you mentioned I was working in the government field and I had my degrees and everything. But when I was moved in Las Vegas, it's a completely different world. Like there are no government jobs here. There's, there was nothing for me to do. And initially when we had had that conversation, it was, oh, don't worry, you, I'll take care of you. We'll be fine, you'll be good. So I, I was confident that that would be the case and that I was confident that I would find my way when I got here. But when I started to realize like, oh no, I have to financially take care of myself and in many ways take care of my daughter, um, then it was just, overwhelming and at the time I remember uh, saying like well I don't know what I'm going to do here in Vegas but I can't do anything so um, it was suggested to me to work at a makeup store so I'm like oh great so for me kind of having done the work that I was doing to being in a new place and working at Sephora for $15 an hour just felt so like, do you see how even that would like play a part in my self-worth and confidence and everything where it was like, oh yeah, we'll just do that and, you know, do the 15 an hour. And I'm like, wow, okay. So I was doing that, but I knew I wanted to do more. And I had been interested even from the very beginning of like, wait, what kind of work are you doing though? And it seems exciting. And it seems like, you know, we can make a really good living doing this. And the answer I received was, oh, no, no, like you, you're not fit for this. <laughs> like okay. you're not good enough to do this kind of job. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he was like blocking so, you from, yeah. And it was, oh, well, why don't you become a teacher? So you're good with kids. Why don't you become a teacher? And I'm like, oh, okay. And I knew like, okay, well, we have a family now. And then we talked about the pros and cons of becoming a teacher and how I would have summers off and, you know, the hours in the day or less and all of that. So at the time I was going to school for my master's in education to become a teacher. My daughter would be in, and then I was working at Sephora for $15 an hour. My daughter's in daycare this whole time because my family's not there. And um, my mother-in-law had some some health issues so she couldn't really watch my daughter. So already having the baby girl who's in daycare, like there's so much mom guilt that you feel and having to work for that amount and go to school, it was, a lot of it was very overwhelming. But I remember you asked a little bit about um, what problems started to arise. I guess a lot of it would be even financially. I remember one day um, I had, I would got groceries and I did all of that. Like I wouldn't even have enough left by the end of the month to like do my nails or take care of my hair. And I love to take care of myself. But during that time I had completely neglected myself because I couldn't even do that. I had to take care of my daughter. I had to take mm -hmm. care of my home. I had to work. I had to go to school. But I remember one day there being $20 in my bank account mm -hmm. and I had to go buy diapers. And 
the diapers came out to like 20 something for like that small pack. And I remember sending a text saying, hey, I have $20 in my bank account and I have diapers are this much. And the response I got was, well, figure it out. Wow. And like, was there a specific moment for you where you just reached your breaking point and you had no more desire to try and make your relationship work? Or was it like a culmination of, of I guess, resentment building up? Um, yeah, I guess so. I was mentioning to you when you spoke earlier, I listened to the episode that you did on domestic violence in the Afghan community. And there was something you said that I found that I had heard for the first time. And you were talking about emotional and psychological abuse mm -hmm. and how it's something that that's not really, that's underestimated so much because you don't physically have a bruise from it. So no one really, really takes it that seriously. Um, but you mentioned that it's breaking someone's spirit. Yeah. And it's so funny that when I was in the relationship, I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't see it that way. I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand what was going on. But the way you put it, of breaking someone's spirit. I'm like, oh my God, how crazy is that? That thinking about the situation now, that's exactly how I would word it. It's breaking someone's spirit, their sense of self, their self-worth, their confidence. Um, so with the breaking point, I feel like, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of just, things kind of building up because you know nothing just happens out of nowhere it's not like oh my god what did he just do what's so unexpected I feel like things build up and at first things were so good and there was all these grand gestures and I'm I'm going to do this and we're going to do that and it was that I fell into that so easily <laughs> and then once we kind of started living together and being in the marriage and having all these responsibilities and things placed on us there was um yeah i realized that i just started losing myself i started losing my sanity in so many ways i felt like i was constantly criticized and put down and there was not there was no clear communication there was you know, you would get in arguments and then someone, someone hurt you, but then they're giving you a silent treatment and then you're feeling like you did something wrong. And it's like a dance and a back and forth that is really hard to understand when you're in it, you know? Um, so for me, the whole time in my relationship and because my family and friends were so far away from me physically, just physically that it's like, I don't want to call and complain all the time about what's going on and what happened and how this little thing turned into a big thing. And that becomes tiring after a while. And 
it was like, you know, you almost want to call people when you have good news and something yeah. happy to talk about and share. You don't want to be that person calling all the time with like, hey, you know, this little thing happened and then it led to this and now this, like, what do I do? And so in a way, it just made me turn inwards a lot and not speak as much and not vocalize as much what I was going through. And I was so busy. I was so busy that I didn't even think about it. But the breaking point was things kind of building up. And of course, there, you know, everyone has their goods and bads. And um, there was a lot of really great moments in the relationship too. But when those great moments are so far and few, and it seems like there's more heartache and more pain than there is joy and peace that some, it just doesn't feel right, you know? Um, but the breaking point for me was when the emotional, verbal, psychological abuse turned physical and it's really scary even now to talk about it. And I really don't want to like paint, you know, a, a bad light on anyone. Yeah. Um, I know that people make mistakes and sometimes in arguments and things like, even now, here I am making excuses. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it turned physical. Oh my God, here I am like being like, oh no, no, it's okay. It was fine. It was good. Like, no, it wasn't fine. <laughs> so that happened. And I remember at that moment, I was shocked and scared and confused. But right when that happened, I turned and I see my daughter and she had just turned one at the time. And she's sitting down looking at me with these eyes and so it was that just seeing the confusion on her face and I knew that she could not comprehend or process at that moment what she was seeing, but that there would come a point very soon when she would understand that and maybe accept that as a normal way of life. And in that moment, I made a decision that I would not allow my daughter to grow up in that kind of environment. Mm. And that was kind of the ending point for me. So wanting better for your daughter was ultimately what led you to this decision. I love yeah, wanting better for her. Mm -hmm. Also understanding, because I was studying a little bit of psychology at the point, like understanding cycles and how they play a part and how that had happened. And I just didn't want that for, for her at all. Yeah, I mean, these things really do affect you from a really young age. So I'm really happy to hear that you prioritized your daughter's mental well-being and, and your mental well-being as well and made 
a decision that felt so scary at the time, but ultimately was the best decision for you and your daughter? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, but how was your decision received by your family? Did you receive support from them? I did. Um, and I am so grateful for that because I know that's the hardest part for majority of Afghans is the just what what people are going to say or what people are going to think and that fear coming from their family of you know make it work and things like that but I remember um when I started talking to my family about it it was I I had a hard time at first of course so I took my daughter and I went to Virginia and I decided to stay there for some time just to process it and see just to see what had happened and what what to do about it and I didn't say anything to my family for some time but when I did it all just came out and there was no holding back it was like I was holding so much in that you know the floodgates opened and I was like oh my god and then this 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 is that and they were like oh wow we had no idea because mm -hmm. even to them I guess I had done such a good job of playing it off as though there was no issue but the moment that I started sharing the details was when my family was like you know I we have your back 100% and I, I am so that. grateful for that yeah I love that my family and I had my close friends who were, you know, the same way. I guess the only thing in terms of like the Afghan community, like what my fear was or how it was received, it's so funny. So I remember, oh my gosh, it makes me laugh. But I remember when we had first separated and there was a lot of drama surrounding our lives at the point. And um, I told one of my friends at the time something like, oh my God, because I had left and I was being punished in a way for leaving and for shedding a bad light on someone from you know, what the other person's perspective was, was that, oh, I'm making someone look bad when I'm just speaking the truth of what what the reality of our situation was. But for that, um, there was there was just, oh my gosh, how do I put this? It was like I was, ha it, it was like he was trying to take my daughter away from me mm -hmm. as almost a sort of punishment. Oh, so yeah. we went through the, he went through the court system and Oh gosh, there's a lot of details, but the thing that is important here about the Afghan community that I wanted to mention is I remember at the time because he was trying to take my daughter, so you can say anything and everything in court and mm -hmm. accuse someone of whatever you want. So at the time he had said something like in court papers of like, oh, she's a horrible mom, she's a neglectful mm -hmm. mother, uh, she's a drug addict, and that she, she's like, she's doing drugs, and I'm apparently a 
a prostitute. I don't know what else. There was so much that I was just completely shocked by. I was blown away. So I remember calling one of my friends at the time and I said, hey, can you believe that this is what's being said about me? Like in these court papers, like who does something like that? Like I was, it was so shocking to, to read that, that I repeated those specific things to her. And then a few maybe days, something go by and somehow this conversation that I told her of what was being said in court papers turned into her mom, her, I guess, you know how word travels and changes. Yeah. So somehow the word came to be that her mom started telling other people, and this is someone who was a friend of mine, but her mom started telling people, and one of the people was my best friend's mom, who is like a mother to me. So my best friend's mom calls me saying, FYI, word on the street is that, you know, this woman called me or was telling people, this Afghan woman, who's actually my friend's mom, was telling people that, oh yeah, I heard that her husband left her because she was doing drugs and she was doing this. And I'm like, how does that happen? How do you get information like this and turn it into something like that? And it was so amusing to me how people do that. So in a state where I'm already going through so much and I am in pain and I'm stressed out and I'm have to go through this court system and I'm trying to get back on my own two feet and deal with my life. And then I hear the word on the street or the word in the community is that my husband left me because I was doing drugs and being a prostitute. And I'm like, how crazy is that? Yeah, that's How crazy, crazy is that, but it's just so funny, but for, yeah, it was just so ridiculous that I remember at first it bothered me and I was telling my brother like, man, why is he saying this of me or why is, why are people saying that? Like, that's not true. But my brother told me at the time, like, Nahid, if <laughs> he's like, if you're not, if you know what's, what the truth is. And you know who you are and we know who you are so if you know who you are it should not matter what anyone says about you so don't worry about it and that advice i really took to heart and i started to embody it was yeah that is true like i know who i am and i know what the truth is so it really doesn't matter what anyone says about me but that's just the fears that we have in our minds of oh my god the judgment and the the ridicule and the community and what are they going to say? I experienced that firsthand of like how things can be manipulated and twisted in a way to be made to seem like something else. But it's all for gossip and for I don't know who who gets joy or pleasure. In those kinds I mean, of things, going through a divorce is already so difficult, but to add a child in that mix, it's even mm -hmm. worse. And then yeah. you have like Afghans who pounce on the, I, like they're just waiting for that moment. You know, that moment when you're already down so they can like oh, yeah. knock you, you down a little bit more, throw more dirt in your name. So it's yeah. so difficult. And I'm really in awe of, I'm really in awe that you like went through all that and you still 
you still got a happy ending. And one of the reasons why I asked you to come on my podcast was because I wanted to share your story with my audience because it has a happy ending. And I feel like that's really, really important. And I want my followers to know that, you know, just because I feel like a lot of Afghans have this idea that a divorce is some sort of a death sentence, especially for a woman. Like once you're divorced, your life is over, but you, you've kind of proven that life doesn't end after a divorce. And in fact, for you in many ways, it, it opened you, it led you to many new beginnings, like through, it led you to self-love, financial independence, new beginnings, a better future for you and your daughter. So I really do admire that. And I really hope that my audience resonates with that message. But um, how did you find that strength to not resort to bitterness and anger, but how did you find that strength to prioritize yourself and open yourself to love again? Yeah, and I guess when you really go through the worst of the worst, and in my situation, I really went through the absolute worst possibilities that I could be given in a situation but that's what made me feel the pain of other Afghan women so much. And thankfully I do have a family who's so open-minded and so supportive and so loving that even like, for example, I tell my mom, hey, I'm gonna talk about this. And they're, they make sure that I'm very mindful of you know, how I'm saying things and not really putting someone down and things like that. But overall they're so supportive of me and that's what i'm so grateful for um but i want people to know who are god forbid in a uncomfortable or unhealthy relationship that it's not going to be good you know right when you walk away especially if it's an unhealthy relationship like that person will do whatever they can to hurt you even more so in my situation i had him calling everyone like the makeup artist who did my makeup in Virginia spreading rumors about me that I was unfaithful and I was a liar and I was trying to ruin his life and he was trying to ruin my reputation of like making fake Instagram pages and even now I think there's like I don't know what websites out there that he'll like try to seem like another person and you know put my call me a whore and say all these things about me but that's going to happen, especially I've learned. If, I'm not going to say that it's because the person's Afghan, because I know a lot of Afghans who wouldn't do that. Like my own brothers would never put someone in that kind of predicament, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be ugly and it's going to be painful. But when you are at that breaking point and when you really have absolutely nothing and nowhere that's when true growth really takes place. So I want people to not be afraid of taking that risk because there really is so much, so much, so much beauty on the other side. Um, so if you're in any kind of unhealthy relationship, a relationship that's not serving you, someone who's dimming your light, killing your spirit, then the best thing to do is walk away from that. And for me, I think you asked what, uh, 
what I forgot the question. <laughs> I got excited and I forgot your question. <laughs> was it? How did I, I asked? How did you find? What did I learn? Or how did you find the strength to open yourself to love again? Like, how did you find the strength to trust another man again and open yourself to getting engaged again? Yeah. Well, for me, it was the relationship that I had with myself changed so much during that time. I learned how to really be un to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, to be comfortable with what not knowing what was next, and to really get comfortable and still with myself. And it was so hard being alone. It was so hard being alone. Like it was almost painful for me because I was so used to having family and friends and people mm -hmm. around me all the time. And um, I think that seeing that although I was going through all of that, that I was still standing, I was still fighting, I was still breathing. I had a family and close friends who were there for me, who supported me in my time of need. And I had my little brother who sent me his car because my ex-husband took my car. And like, I had no home, I had nothing. And in so many ways, I was so grateful to have my family to rely on at that point. But in so many ways, I felt so low. I felt so low for not being able to do that for myself. I felt so sad that I was a mother and I had a life that depended on me and that financially I wasn't in a place where I could completely take care of her on my own and that I had my family step in and help both of us out. And I think when you really go through that darkness and those uncomfortable feelings, it made me really look at myself differently and build myself in many ways. So I started to just count my blessings and I started to see the progress I was making and I realized that in the past, like it was how my life looked that mattered. But then I came to a point of like, man, how my life feels is what matters to me. And I want it to feel good. And I learned just to trust myself more. I learned to just attain this, this peace of mind that now will never escape me. I learned to just be feel more grateful and abundant for all my health and everything that I did have because although financially and in many ways I lost a lot like I gained myself and that was the best thing that could have happened to me and through that process I went through just such a period of growth and getting out of my comfort zone I was reading anything and everything on my path, I was listening to audiobooks and podcasts, and I started to really like nourish my mind, my soul, my spirit, get out of my comfort zone. And the light, I guess, at the end of the tunnel that I want people to realize, because I will talk about the love of my life and my engagement and how happy I am. But I think what the biggest blessing in all of it was my relationship with myself changed and I start stopped seeing myself as a victim and I really learned 
how powerful we are as women, like when we put our mind and heart into something. And when I knew that there was a life that was dependent on me, how much I fought and I, I stood my ground and I shook my whole existence up to wake up and be better and do better and, and financially take care of her and get this awesome job and get us a place to stay and pay my family back for the thousands of dollars that, you know, they had helped me with in the process. And I still, of course, they're not the kind of people to ever even expect anything back. But I made a promise to myself that, you know what, the $20,000 that my family has given me for attorney fees, like, I'm going to give that back. And my brother, him sending me his car and just financially helping me, all of my brothers, like throughout this whole time, like I made a promise to myself that the kind of woman I want to be is that woman who, who stops being a victim and stops taking things from people and one who can stand on her own, take care of herself, take care of her daughter. And just going through that process of growth for me was the biggest thing I gained. And now I know like, no matter what life throws my way, that nothing is ever going to, and life will throw a lot of challenges your way. There will be good and bad that comes, but when you go through that kind of hardship, when you go through divorce, when you go through anything difficult, just leaning into it and embracing it, you are bound to grow as a result. So not being afraid of that step and that change is what I would want everyone to hopefully get from this, that in terms of opening myself up to love again, I think it was just me finding trust in my, just trusting myself. And as a result, it was just finding trust in the universe to kind of take care of me and realizing that, you know what, like God is looking out for me. As difficult as things seemed at times, like God really was looking out for me. And there's a, a reason that I am where I am and I went through what I went through and that I have this, this voice to speak and I have my health and I have my family and my support system to really be able to help people in this scenario. Um, and in terms of finding love again, it was just trusting my intuition, intuition, but also not really looking for love or expecting love because I came to a place of just being so happy with myself, so happy with my life that nothing was really missing. And I, at the time, one of my coworkers, she was telling me, um, she's like, oh, Nahid, like she's American. So we had talked about love and life and we would talk about everything, every single day that we were at work. And she was telling me about, she just go on dates and try to start dating. I'm like, man, how am I even gonna do that? And like, why? Like I have my daughter and I'm working and I'm just, I'm good. Like. I don't want to go through that again, but she was telling me about um, this app called Bumble, and I will put that out there. I don't care if people know how we met because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and when she was telling me about Bumble, she's like, oh, Nahid, you should create an account. Because to her, it was so amazing in a way. Like She was amazed by the fact that I really hadn't dated. I'm like, yeah, as an Afghan, like you really can't. Date, you know mm -hmm. and then I saw in so many ways the blessing of my situation where I was like wait a minute for the first time in my life I am I have my own place 
I have my own life. There are days when like my daughter's with her dad and I am completely alone and completely by myself. Like I can, and there's no Afghans around me. I, oh my God, I can date. Like what? <laughs> in a way I'm like, oh my God, like, yes. Like, even though I'm like old as heck now when I have a daughter, but I guess there's a blessing in that because I know so many people who are in communities of like, even my friends who are in Virginia and other places where there's so much shame given to you for even, you know, putting yourself out there. So if I know if I wasn't here and if I wasn't by myself, I probably wouldn't have even done that, you know? But mm -hmm. my coworker was like, you know, I want you to get this app and go on dates and just experience meeting people and talking yeah. to people. And this time, she said, this time it's gonna be like, it's for yourself to build on like your speaking skills and you're going to learn so much from people, from their stories and the conversation yeah. and what they have to say and who they are. So I really embraced that. And I said, you know what? Okay, I will get this out. And the good thing about Bumble was that I didn't want to be like bombarded with messages of, hey, talk to me and things with Bumble. Like you get to choose as a woman who you want to have a conversation with. So the funny that. thing, and yeah, God works in mysterious ways because <laughs> my plan at that time was, okay, I'm going to go on, on many dates and meet many people and get to know people and grow and thrive and all these things because I had adopted this mentality of like growing and learning and meeting people and putting myself in uncomfortable situations. But um, my fiance, I... <laughs> found him on there and I sent him a I was like oh he's a pretty good looking guy so I'm like hey what's up and we started having a conversation there and he of course wanted to meet and take me out on a date and it was it was scary it was scary for me because I was like man I'm all alone here in Vegas like I don't know anybody and god forbid like you hear that online dating there's killers and all these things so I was so I was terrified of like meeting someone that way but at that point I was like hey let me get your Instagram account let me get your this account and that account I wanted to kind of do research because I'm like <laughs> okay I am a mom and I'm not going to put myself in some scary situation or bring any <laughs> weird scary person in my life so for weeks I we just chatted and he was such a gentleman and he was so respectful. He wasn't forceful. It was just like nothing that we hear how, of how it should be. And I was like, okay, well, I did the how it should be super aggressive guy who's this and that, you know, and he's just feeling it cool. So let me see what this is about. And the funny thing is we, so I started doing my research and I research sounds so funny, but I was just like looking at his social media. I'm like, okay, if he's the kind of guy who seems like he's out and about and enjoying his life, like that's not the kind of person that I want in my life. Like I know where I am in my life and I know what I want and I know, and I guess adapting that mentality of like, man, I'm a prize. Like anyone would be lucky to have me. Like I have been through the worst and look at who the person I am. And I really started to love myself and feel very proud of myself. So when we met after weeks of having talked, it was so interesting how everything just flowed. Mm -hmm. And I never even got the 
I say opportunity, he laughs now. He's like, oh, do you want to go go on more dates? <laughs> but I'm like, I didn't even get an opportunity. Like my plan, honestly, I know it's taboo to talk about dating, but my plan was to go on dates and to meet as many people as I can because I realized yeah, that- Like, dislike, yeah. Yeah, because I realized at that point, like that part of having an Afghan experience did not serve me well. But it's just, as luck would have it, the first man I meet. uh, I feel like um, (laughs) this is a really important point for um, my audience to take in, which is whether you decide to do a love marriage or an arranged marriage, Mm -hmm. whatever you decide for whatever reason, really take the time to get to know the person you're ultimately spending the rest of your life with. Ask the important questions like, do your values align, your religious beliefs, uh, your political mm-hmm. beliefs, how you envision your future together. And I always, I heard a quote and it was like, love isn't looking each other in the eyes. It's looking towards the same direction. And I just love oh, that so much. And I really hope that the people who are listening, take that in, really get to know. Yeah, that and that's my with. time. Yeah. And and I know that in many ways, I had the luxury of it because like I mentioned, I was all alone here by myself. I, my family couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> so I was like, hey, sorry guys, I get to do what I want now with my life. <laughs> but no, I really took my time. And that's the advice I would give anyone. Like we dated for a year and I knew his character. So the more like, and that's, time time is what builds all these things Mm -hmm. and you go through even like for example his views on something can be different than mine but it's like how do we work through those things but there was chemistry there was trust there was compatibility there was commitment and I saw that wow this is a very healthy relationship and I he is just such an amazing guy and even at that point I remember he had invited me to his parents' house and I went there and I met his family. And I'm like, where have these people been? Like my whole life, I've been made to think that Afghans, you know, Afghan is where it's at. Like find an Afghan husband and you're gonna, you know, have the most perfect life. And I was like, whoa, there's worlds of people out there who, and he's, my fiance was not Muslim at the time. Um, but after we got engaged after a year, then he converted and um, yeah, and just out of respect for my family and my family adores him and he is just the best person in the world. But I would just oh. say, take your time, like take your time and just don't harden your heart up. Don't harden yourself up. Just go with an open mind. Don't set expectations because even going into it, like I didn't have the expectation of, okay, you're going to marry me because it was like, no, hey, I'm, I can have whatever I want. Like, I know the kind of person I am and I'm a prize. So it's like, do I want you? You know, it's what I wanted to figure out and just very early on. And I think so much of it is yes, time, but also our ideas of like, I think people should know and have a list of the kind of person that they want because I didn't have that before. Before marrying someone like, you know, society and especially Afghan culture, it tells you, oh, he should be successful. Okay, well, <laughs> like he should be successful. Oh, he's good looking is what your friends will say. Or like your 
family will be like, oh, well, he comes from a good family, you know, but it's like, what do those things mean? You know, Yeah. but um, then I think we, yeah, everyone just needs to have a list of like, what do you value? Because everyone's values are different. Know what it is that you value. And when I knew what it was that I valued and I saw it in my face, I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is going to work out then. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode on divorce was because as Afghan women, we're always advised to stay in abusive or unhappy mm -hmm. marriages and to suffer silently. And I've always mm -hmm. find, found this so freaking awful. But And mm -hmm. that's why I invited you on this show, because you didn't do that. Um, so my advice, I mean, my question for you is, what advice do you have for women who are in abusive or in unhappy relationships? And I'm not trying to encourage my followers to like leave their partners or leave when things get tough, but I just want to know, like, when do you know that it's just not going to work out and it's time for you to go? Like, I was hoping you could give I a think insight on that. People know that, like, you will feel it. You'll feel it, and you'll know if a situation is healthy or unhealthy but I would say like if there is doubt get yourself out like there's no good that's going to come out of that for that relationship it's so interesting you said that because I had someone recently sent me a message and she was Afghan and she's saying hey you know I'm engaged and kind of hearing it and reading it it was so obvious to me what she should do. But at the same time, I'm like, when you're in it, I guess you really don't know what's good and what's not you. Um, but she's like, hey, I'm in this relationship. And my my fiance, like, oh, he loves me so much. And I love him so much. And we're Afghan and we're going to get married soon. But I am scared. I'm scared. I'm scared because mm -hmm. every time we get in an argument, it seems like somehow it's always my fault. Yeah. And he has this bit of like yelling at me and putting me down, but um, I know he loves me and I know he's a good person, but I'm scared and I feel like, oh my God, maybe it's cold feet or something yeah. like that, you know? And now being in a healthy relationship, I'm like, oh my God, red signs everywhere like it's flashing in your face like it's crazy how yeah but now that I'm in a healthy relationship and I feel what it feels like like we were not in any way like forced to get engaged or forced to do anything like I said I could choose my own my own path in this relationship but there is so much when there is just true love and compatibility like I'm not scared. I was not scared to marry him. I was not scared to get engaged to him. Like, so if you're scared, that in itself says something to you, yeah. you know, but the most important thing is to speak honestly and truthfully to anyone and everyone who will listen. So to your family, to your friends, I had a way unknowingly, I would make situations seem so much smaller. Yeah for in a way the advice that we seek 
like we already know what answer we want to receive back. So we'll, we will ask for advice in a way where it reassures us <laughs> like, oh, he did this. Oh, but I did A, B, C, and D, which led to that. So then the yeah. person's like, oh, well, if you did this, then he did that. It's okay. Then it makes you feel yeah. like, oh, then yeah, it's okay. But speak honestly I feel like, and truthfully. Um, I feel like because a lot of us are inexperienced when it comes to dating yeah. and relationship. We just yeah. go in blindsided and we don't know yeah. what's wrong. We don't know what's right. And you only mm -hmm. figured this out after your marriage with your first husband. Yeah. Now that I'm in a healthy relationship, yeah. I know what an unhealthy relationship was. Yeah, and now you're like, oh that. my God, I can't believe yeah. I... Yeah, exactly. So get out, speak to as many people as you can. And I would encourage people to speak to those outside of the Afghan community. Like yeah. white people will tell you, anyone who's not Afghan will tell you like, oh, that's, that's a red sign right there. Like get out. Like where I think there's like a, a I think there's like a meme where you're like, when you're casually telling a story and you don't realize how traumatic it is until everyone's just staring at you and they're like, yeah. whoa. Exactly. <laughs> don't do but, that. but not not um, it. How does life? Sorry. Uh, how does life look and feel for you now? Like, where is Nohid now? Oh my God, I can pinch myself. Life is and should be, should be. This is not what I'm saying of like, oh my God, look at me. I'm so happy. I'm like, this is possible for everybody. Like, life is abundant. Life is exciting. It's bright. It is unlimited. It's peaceful. Oh my God, there's peace. It's so much peace. And just when I think of us together, there's like a world of possibilities ahead of us. There's open and honest communication with each other where nothing is off the table and no one's getting upset from, for something that you know, you're talking about or they're bringing up. And that's so important. There's trust, like trust, there's adventure and things you enjoy together. There's respect unconditional love like I did not know what unconditional love was before because even being Afghan like I've been thinking about this recently and like even within our households and as incredible and amazing as my family is there was still like hey unconditional love did not exist so it was like oh if you do a b c and d I'm gonna love you if you don't do this I'm taking your my love away from you like that's our, that's the style of parenting we're used to. So when we're in these unhealthy relationships, we don't know that they're unhealthy because a lot of it stems back or yeah, it, it comes like the root is in our families and kind of what, it, what we've experienced. But I have a man now who just loves and supports me in everything that I do even things that I don't do, <laughs> like washing the dishes or he'll make the coffee and he'll make some food, but it's like both of us working together through just looking in the same direction and working together. And when, you, when you're with the right person, you'll just know it, you'll feel it. And the biggest takeaway would be that you'll feel yourself thriving instead of feeling held back and feeling like you're kind of disappearing mm -hmm. and feeling smaller and that is my work of advice <laughs> I love that though and I really got goosebumps listening to you 
I feel like we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but unfortunately it has to come to an end. Um, I just want to thank you so so much, Nahid. I realized I was pronouncing your name wrong. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing your story. It's really, really brave of you. And I've learned so much from you and I'm sure my audience has as well. And I feel like we can all agree that Nahid needs to start her own podcast because she's such an excellent storyteller. (laughs) I feel like you're so good. I'm gonna have to talk to you about that. I'm gonna. Yeah, I feel like you are meant to. Yeah, I feel like you are meant to be. I don't know, in front of the cameras or have your own show or something because you have a natural way of being vulnerable, but in a way that's that leaves you feeling motivated and hopeful. And I feel like that's a really good quality, but thank you so, so much. I admire your strength and everyone should go and follow her on Instagram. Nahid, where can people find you? For now, they can find me at Her Majesty Nahid. Um, but I am hoping to start a podcast or something soon. Oh, shit. (laughs) We'll talk about that. And then from there, I'm sure. Maybe I can come on your show. Of course. You (laughs) honestly are the one who even broke this ground of talking about taboo topics. So in so many ways, I feel like I'm grateful for you for creating this platform. And for giving us this opportunity to talk about a really uncomfortable situation. And I would love, love to have you on soon when, once it gets started to talk about yes, your journey definitely. and how you've inspired so many people. So thank definitely. you so much for your time. But yeah, guys, follow Nahid on Instagram. She is so freaking gorgeous. And she's also an amazing human being. But Yeah, thank you guys so much. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to rate it five stars, subscribe and follow me on Instagram, Mishkan Writes. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye.